0: The Crunch Time Sports Advantage podcast is proudly brought to you by Soul Street Coffee. Start your day with a smile. And Anchor, the number one podcast hosting platform. Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Visit anchor.fm for more details. Welcome into our coverage of the Southeastern Conference football season. Hi everyone, I am Summer, and I want to thank you for joining us. I am pleased to be joining my guys Billy and Kenneth all season long, covering the best conference in college football, and they will be joining me in just a moment. Kenneth has said all week long in our production meetings that for him it is all about the adjustment coaches must make after week one. So does your team have a head coach that can take what happened last week and make corrections? Is your team coming off an impressive performance, or did your team get a win, but didn't look the part in week one? These are a few questions that Kenneth is going to examine in each game. Before I give a rundown of all the upcoming games, I want to give you a brief description of some of our key stats. So for your offensive efficiency, we track your offensive points scored rather than the total points scored to judge each team's scoring ability. For example, last week, Georgia team score was 37, but the offense only scored 29. This is because they got a safety and a pick six, which is eight points by the Georgia defense. Another key stat for us is explosive plays, and that is any run over 10 yards and a pass play over 20 yards. And finally, our adjusted turnover number and differential. Our adjusted turnover number will include things like failed fourth down tries. You will hear Kenneth refer to these key stats throughout the season. Here's the lineup for Saturday's games. South Carolina at Florida. Missouri at Tennessee. Ole Miss at Kentucky. Auburn at Georgia. LSU at Vanderbilt. Arkansas at Mississippi State and Texas A&M at Alabama. And now Billy will give you where the lines and totals open for each game, and at the end of the podcast, we will give a last look to see where they are before kickoff.
1: Texas A&M opened as a 17-point road underdog at Alabama with a game total of 53.5. South Carolina opened as a 19.5-point underdog at home at Florida with a game total of 55. LSU opened as an 18.5-point road favorite over Vanderbilt with a game total of 52. Georgia opened as a seven-point favorite at home over Auburn with a game total of 43. Missouri opened as an 11-point road underdog against Tennessee with a game total of 45.5. Mississippi State opened as a 17-point home favorite over Arkansas with a game total of 64. And finally, Ole Miss opened as a 7-point underdog at Kentucky with a game total of 56.5.
0: Thank you Billy. And after this commercial break, I will be joined by Kenneth for his analysis for each game. In the next segment, we will go through the first four games on Saturday starting with the Florida Gators in South Carolina, Tennessee, and Missouri, Alabama and Texas A&M, and Ole Miss and Kentucky. Welcome back everyone and I am pleased to be joined by both of my guys Billy and Kenneth and let's start with our first of four early games on Saturday. The Florida Gators visiting South Carolina. Billy give our listeners where our team rankings say this line for this game with Florida and South Carolina should be set at.
1: Summer our power rankings for this game says that the Florida Gators should be favored by 11. Florida is coming off an impressive offensive performance against Ole Miss. Kenneth you said last week that Ole Miss could not allow Kyle Trask to beat them and they had to slow down Pitts. Well Trask threw for 416 yards and six touchdowns while Pitts caught eight passes for 170 yards and four touchdowns. What can South Carolina do to slow down Pitts? When he scrambles, he's scrambling to throw, and he's got really good guys down the field. I am expecting Bobo to try to give his receivers more help by calling deep pass plays earlier in the game. Give the listeners the game script for how you see this and all of the games going this weekend.
2: Thank you, Billy. It's extremely important to realize that Pitts is not a traditional tight end. For me, he's more of an H-back or even a big slot-wide receiver. So you must jam him at the line of scrimmage. You can't give him a free release. Secondly, you are going to have to commit to playing bracket coverage. That means a man underneath and somebody over the top. But these two things have to work together. If you're just going to give him a free release, then that bracket coverage is not going to be nearly as successful because he's still being able to dictate Um, where the route is supposed to take him. If you're going to jam him, at least it forces him off of that uh, line that he's trying to run. Secondly, you have to get pressure on Caltras. If that means sending a blitz, or your defensive front is able to win and get there quickly, you can't allow Trask to be comfortable in the pocket. Ole Miss was not able to get consistent pressure on Trask, and he made them pay for it. Now, South Carolina went up against an excellent offensive line um, in Tennessee last week and only got one quarterback hurry and two sacks on 31 pass attempts by Tennessee. If South Carolina is not able, to get pressure in this game, it could get out of hand quickly.
0: Our next game is the Missouri Tigers visiting Tennessee.
1: Our power rankings for this game says that the Tennessee Volunteers should be favored by eleven and a half. and So Kenneth, take the listeners through the game script for this ball game.
2: Let's start with the uh, Missouri Tigers. We knew that they were up against um, a juggernaut in Alabama, and that game bore that out. So... Um, it's really difficult to judge um, their performance because all of their production really came um, once Alabama put um, their backups in. So they got a couple of late touchdowns um, in the fourth quarter, but up until that point, uh, the Missouri offense did absolutely nothing um, in that first half against Alabama. Let's take a look over at the uh, Tennessee Vols. Um, I know Jeremy was happy to get the win last week. Um, We always put uh, value on getting the win. But here's a stat that Jeremy um, is going to look at, and he is going to be extremely concerned uh, going into this matchup with Missouri. The Tennessee Volunteers went one for 12 on third down conversions. That's 8.3%. That's simply not going to get it done, and it shouldn't have gotten it done against South Carolina, but a couple of um, huge mistakes by the Gamecocks in that game um, really allowed um, Tennessee to get the win. Uh, The pick six uh, definitely aided Tennessee getting the win. Like I said, we we do not uh, take away from um, the Tennessee performance getting the win, but Here's some numbers that I looked at for Tennessee that um, I would be a little bit concerned about. Uh, 25 of their points uh, came by the offense, whether it was touchdowns or field goals. Uh, That's 2.2 points per drive. It's solid, um, not good enough to beat uh, teams like Georgia and Florida coming up. Uh, Their yards per play was 5.9. Solid. Solid. Um, just not good enough to beat those upper-tier teams in the SEC uh, East there. So in this matchup, Tennessee has to be better on third downs, and that starts with being better on first downs. If you want to convert a higher percentage of your third downs, you need to be in third and three, third and two, um, occasionally third and four. But you can't be in third and 10, third and 15, Um, and expect to convert a higher percentage. So uh, Tennessee, if you want to get this win against Missouri and go 2-0 to start the season, convert a better success rate on first down, limit the turnovers once again, and convert more third downs. And you got a shot of walking out of Neyland Stadium Uh, with your second win of the season.
0: Our next game is the Aggies visiting the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let me give a shout-out to our good friend and former Texas A&M quarterback David Walker. If you have not done so already, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of his book. I'll tell you when you're good. Also, let me say hello to our friends in the Houndstooth crew. Kenneth, I know that the crew and all our listeners are looking forward to you breaking down this matchup after the power rankings is in this matchup.
1: Our power rankings for this game says that Alabama should only be favored by 11 but this is where recent historical trends and our advanced data lines up with where Vegas set the line and the game script for it.
2: And you're right, Billy. This, according to what our lines says it should be, you're right, it should only be an 11-point game. So why does Vegas have it at almost a 17-point game? It's because Vegas sees this as a coaching mismatch and a talent one as well. The Tide have absolutely crushed the Aggies in the two years that Jimbo has been in College Station. Two years ago, Alabama beat the Aggies 45 to 23. Last season, Alabama beat the Aggies 47 to 28. In those two games, it's an average margin of victory for the Tide of 21 points. Let's take a look at Texas A&M quarterback, Kellen Mon's numbers from last year against the Tide. 24 completions on 42 attempts, 264 yards passing with two touchdowns. He also had 16 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. The running back Spiller could absolutely get nothing done on the ground against Alabama, Last year, ten carries, twenty-seven yards. We don't have to do the math. That's two point seven yards per carry. And I'm telling you, you're not going to have a successful day if you're going to get that kind of production from your tailback going up against Alabama. In last year's matchup, Alabama's Tua Tonga Valoa, twenty-one completions on thirty-four attempts. 293 yards and four touchdowns. Najee Harris, 20 carries, 114 yards. And Devontae Smith, seven receptions, 99 yards and a touchdown. The Alabama ground game ran the ball 31 times for 155 yards, 5.0 yards per carry. On third downs, Alabama was eight for 13 while the Aggies were 5-for-12. The Alabama run game is at its strongest when it's running left and those athletic offensive guards are pulling. Yes, Texas AM was very effective against the run last week, but that was against Vanderbilt. So here's the matchup that I want. Um, Aggie fans and and for everybody watching this game. At left tackle for Alabama is All-American candidate Alex Leatherwood. Playing that right defensive end for the Aggies is Michael Clemens. If Clemens cannot set the edge and keep Harris in that stable of running backs, from going around that left, um, left edge, Alabama. I will guarantee you will gain a lot more than the hundred yards that Vanderbilt uh, had last last week rushing the ball. So, um, talking to a Texas A&M uh, fan and a Jimbo fan, um, he said, "Well." Those stats that um, I just mentioned for Alabama, that came with Tua playing quarterback. Um, what about Matt Jones? Well, I'm glad he asked that question. Here's what the Alabama offense, the first team, did last week in six offensive possessions with Jones in as the starting quarterback. Six possessions, 300 yards of total offense, four touchdowns. That's 28 points in the first half. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you put a team to bed when you have a clear-cut advantage like the Alabama Crimson Tide did last week. So if the Aggies are to have a shot in this game, most must be – Um, productive in both the run game and the pass game. The Aggies must convert third downs, and when they are in the red zone, they absolutely have to score touchdowns, cannot be kicking field goals if you're expecting to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. The game script for me has Alabama getting off to a lead in the first half, which they've done in the two previous matchups, and then – you see this Alabama ground attack just go to work and just wear down um, that Aggie defense um, in the second half, and especially um, once we get into the fourth quarter. Unlike um, last year, the Alabama defense is a lot faster, and they're going to, the way my script shows it, um, be able to funnel – him on and not allow him to break some of those scramble runs that he did against the Tide last year where uh, he got a couple of chunk runs, and that's how he got up to almost 100 yards um, last year. Dylan Moses, um, Harris, along with that defensive front, I see them shutting down the Aggies, and I expect the Tide to roll in this matchup.
0: Our next game is Ole Miss at Kentucky. And a special hello to our good friend Ole Miss Evie. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site at The Rebel Walk. Also, hello to our dear friends Ms. Donna and Ms. Kathy, who are listening and want to hear your analysis.
1: Summer, our power rankings for this game says that Kentucky should be favored by five.
0: Thank you, Billy. Now, Kenneth, the first know that you disagreed with where the line was set for this game. Take the listeners through how do you see this game playing out and why you feel the wrong team is favored in this matchup.
2: Thanks, Summer. And let me say that Billy and our um, analysts do a fantastic job of setting these power rankings and staying in touch with um, Vegas as they set these lines. But this is where <clears throat> I feel like watching the games give me an advantage as far as um, really going through and seeing something that they are clearly not catching. Ole Miss scored 35 last week against a defense that's a lot better than the one that they're going to face on Saturday against Kentucky. That's despite having a turnover on downs um, inside the scoring area, which is inside the 30, and missing a makeable field goal. So let's just give them six extra points. That's 41. Now, once Ole Miss committed to Matt as the quarterback, here's what the Ole Miss offense did in the second half on their possessions. Touchdown, that missed field goal that I talked about, punt, touchdown, touchdown. So in the second half, this offense got got cooking, and we saw Auburn in the second half against Kentucky get the cooking, scoring. Um, most of their points in the second half. Kentucky's offense did not get to cooking and could not generate the kind of points that I feel that they're going to need in this game. So here's the game script as I've played it out in my in my mind and, and just walked through it. Ask yourself these questions. Can the Ole Miss offense score 35 points against Kentucky the same way that they did against Florida? I think so. Can they score 40? Sure they can. Can the Ole Miss offense generate 10 explosive plays in this game? Yes. They have 14 last week against Florida. The Kentucky defense gave up seven explosive plays to Auburn. Now, let's just say that Ole Miss scores 38 in this game against Kentucky. Kentucky's going to need to score 39 points to win. Last week against Auburn, the Kentucky offense scored 13 points. So where does the extra 26 points come from? Okay, let's give them uh, two more touchdowns for playing this Ole Miss defense. That only gets them up to 27. That's still 12 points short of what they're going to need. Is Ole Miss going to go in this ballgame against Kentucky on third down? Nine for 14 again? Maybe not, but it is possible that they could convert a high number percentage of third downs. But here's where I really expect a major jump in the, in the Rebel um, conversion game. They went four for eight last week against Florida. I think, let's just say Ole Miss gets inside of the red zone five times against, well, six times against Kentucky. Can they convert five of those for touchdowns and the other one for a field goal? I certainly think so because I definitely don't think that this Kentucky defense is nowhere near as good as uh, the defense that they lit up last week um, against the uh, Florida Gators. I don't see Kentucky winning this game by more than a touchdown. Um, I don't make guarantees. We uh, Billy and I we don't make guarantees, but what we do um, point out is where we see advantages. That's why, hence the name, Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. Um, if there's an advantage, we want to point it out to you as the listener. And we feel that like in this ball game, the advantage is with the Ole Miss Rebels. And I believe that Ole Miss comes out of Lexington with a win.
0: Thank you, Kenneth. After this commercial break we will be back to finish the rest of the games on Saturday in the SEC. Want to gain an advantage this fall in the NFL, the English Premier League, and the SEC? Then head over to our website and sign up for one or all of our packages. Each one will give you access to our advanced stats, key matchup breakdowns each week, and a dedicated Slack channel where you can ask your questions and get a quicker response. Also, we will have a weekly Zoom meeting call, not able to make the Zoom call. We will send you a copy. The National Football League and Premier League are just getting underway and the SEC starts on September 26. Because we are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network and we are here to give you your sports advantage. So sign up today. We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbo and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm changing the narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals, and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion, and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport. To live lives of purpose, passion, and platform. Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information, please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org. Welcome back, everyone. As we finish out the final three games on the Saturday slate, our next game finds the Arkansas Razorbacks visiting Mississippi State.
1: Our power rankings for this game says that Mississippi State should be favored by twelve and a half.
2: Absolutely. Um, this is a game where. <sighs> We saw what the Mississippi State offense looked like last week against LSU. They're going up against Arkansas this week. Let me tell you, Mike Leach is not a coach who is going to take his foot off the gas pedal. Think Steve Spurrier back in the early 90s in the SEC. Mike Leach has no problem with putting points on the board, but everybody's going to talk about the outstanding Performance by K.J. Costello, the 600-plus yards passing, and that's great. I'm going to take you to the other side of the ball, and let's talk about this Mississippi State defense against LSU. They held the LSU offense to 5 for 17 on third downs. That's 29%. They were able to record seven sacks. If I told you in that matchup last week that a team would have seven sacks, you would have said LSU, and so would I. I. This Mississippi State defense, we got to put some respect on that performance. They only gave up six explosive plays, uh, two runs, and four passes. The LSU offense, mind you, only scored 28 points. They got – the other off off the pick six i see this going like everybody else i think it is an absolute um boat racing by mississippi state against arkansas who could absolutely do nothing last week against um georgia on the offensive side of the ball And I don't see them doing much this week um, against Mississippi State. So, uh, expect those cowbells to be ringing quite a bit in this matchup. And Mike Leach gets his second win uh, in the SEC.
0: Our next game is the LSU Tigers visiting the Vanderbilt Commodores.
1: Our power rankings for this game says that the Tigers should be favored by 20 and a half.
2: Absolutely, guys. And... We already talked about how bad this LSU defense was in the uh, last segment with the Mississippi State breakdown. Uh, but this LSU offense um, would give me a lot of concerns as well if I'm a Bayou Bengal fan. Uh, Miles Brennan, uh, 27 for 46, 345 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt. I'm sorry, that's just not good enough. Um, he was careless with the ball, um, two interceptions, and I mean two really bad interceptions. Um, that LSU ground game uh, was really disappointing in this matchup. Uh, 38 carries for 80 yards, 2.1 uh, yards per rush. That's not um, what we expect out of this LSU um, ground attack. Um Only six um, explosive plays, um, just not the the caliber of offense that um, a lot of people expected from uh, this LSU offense coming back this season. I had my my concerns because of not only what they lost in the draft, but the loss of um, play caller Joe Brady and. Not having Jameer Chase, I cannot state this enough. Um, It's forcing Terrence Marshall to be a number one, and I'm not quite sure he's ready.
0: Our final game of the week is the Auburn Tigers visiting Georgia.
1: Our power rankings for this game says that Georgia should be favored by five.
0: Kenneth, this is our game of the week in the SEC, so let's take a deeper look into the matchup.
2: Thanks, Summer. Let's take a look at this Georgia offense and why they did not play to their DNA last week. We've heard about how highly recruited this offensive line was and how it is supposed to be one of the best in not just the SEC, but in all of college football. And, yes, there's still plenty of time for that to to bear true. But last week against Arkansas, not against the Dallas Cowboys, against Arkansas, the Georgia Bulldogs who feel like they can run the ball on anybody and have been doing so for as long as I've been watching football whether it's Herschel Walker, whether it's Garrison Hurst, whether it's Edwards, I mean, you name it, um, Gurley, Chubb, Michelle, the Georgia program is built on being able to run the ball. And if I told you that the Georgia Bulldogs had 42 carries, you would expect them to have 321 yards and not 121 yards. 2.9 yards per rush is absolutely pathetic. Can't think of a, a better word to use than that. The 12 penalties for 108 yards cannot have that this week against Auburn. Now, talking to some Georgia fans over the week, the offense did start to find its footing in the second half with Stenson at the quarterback once they made the change. But it should not matter who is the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs for you to be able to run the ball. It's not like you're running a lot of zone reads or triple option. You are a power eye formation. So who was the quarterback? No, I'm not giving you anything for that one. Third down conversions. Six for twenty. Sorry, that's just not gonna get it done this week. <clears throat> the two turnovers, you already know that you gotta clean that up. This Georgia defense performed to their DNA. What we heard about all all season what we heard about coming into um, this modified um, SEC-only schedule, the Georgia Bulldogs' defense is legit. Got a safety against Arkansas and scored a defensive touchdown. So if your defense can live up to its DNA, your offense is going to have to. Georgia's yards per play on offense was 4.2 and the yards per pass was at 5.7. That's about half of where some of the top quarterbacks in this conference did last week. So here's what I will say I feel confident in this matchup. The Auburn Tigers can't run the ball on this um, Georgia defense. They only had 91 yards rushing against Kentucky last week, and it took them 30 carries to get there. So I do not expect whatsoever the Auburn Tigers to be able to come into this uh, ball game against Georgia and run the ball. Can the Auburn Tigers make enough plays down the field with those um, talented pass catchers, stove Williams, Shivers, Bigsby. Can Knicks make enough plays down the field and especially early to where it forces this Georgia team and Kirby to play left handed and have to throw the ball? I think if Old Mitt, I'm sorry, if Auburn can get out to a lead early on in this ball game, that is going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on the Georgia play callers and coaches to go away from the run game and throw the ball at a higher volume than what they want to. Georgia does not ever want to throw the ball 47 times. If they have to get up to that number this week, like they did last week, it could be a long day in Sanford Stadium. Conversely, if Georgia is able to get back to running the ball and running the ball with some success, then they could put Auburn in a lot of trouble in this ball game. I don't have a lean one way or the other. I do agree with Billy. I think the line is too high where it currently sits right now. Um, I don't think that Georgia, based off the performance that they had last week, should be a seven-point favorite against an offense like Auburn. As far as who wins the game, this game is going to go down, go to the fourth quarter like it normally does between these two teams. And who can make the most plays and who can make the fewest mistakes We'll come up with the win in this ballgame.
0: Thanks, Kenneth and Billy. We have made a few changes to the podcast format. I will have the weather forecast for all of the games, and Billy will give you a final look at the lines on Saturday morning. In closing, we want to say thank you for listening. And be sure to head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. And please give a follow to our good friend Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site at The Rebel Walk. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Time underscore Advantage and check out our website www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com. For Billy and Kenneth, this is Summer. Have a great day, everyone.